Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. Uh, we are here live, same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. Coming to you live from the Wiz Den in Las Vegas, because for almost two years now, the pandemic has forced us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. Joining me on the show is social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. That's right. The Wiz not only has his own studio, but he has his own theme music as well. Well deserved, by the way. And back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who, aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. Chris will help us out with Nightcap as he does every week. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O U T T A L I N E. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp studio line is 702 876 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Uh, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights have lost two in a row, five of six, and are now in second place, excuse me, in third place in the Pacific Division. Um, UNLV lost last night, but still would be considered a surprise team in the Mountain West Conference. We'll talk about that and uh, maybe the Mountain West Conference's uh, most valuable player this season. NASCAR is back, and Jeff Motley, the Vice President of Communications at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, will be joining uh, to let us know all about the ticket packages still available for next weekend's Pennzoil 500. Looking pretty forward to that. Excuse me, Pennzoil 400, uh, a year off NASCAR. We didn't see him in 2021. We're going to see him again in 2022. And yesterday was a mind-blowing historical day in college basketball. We'll talk about that. That is what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options today. What's going on, Spence? Make you turn Nothing. on your microphone. There you <laughs> I, go. We're still working on graphics a little bit here, but uh, no, I'm doing great. Thank you, Brian. And Mag's back in the studio, man. Welcome back from your honeymoon in France. And like I said last week, uh, Chris, uh, I saw some pictures. I was very jealous, but it looks like you and your wife ate an awful lot of cheese. Yeah, Brian. Uh, those who who don't know, and I'm I'm guessing a lot of people would not have known because I probably don't tweet about it or, or talk about it a lot, but I. I am a cheese aficionado. I love cheese, and uh, as you could tell, um, when I was when I was in France, um, I, I certainly posted a lot of pictures of of cheese, and and I found a lot of obscure cheeses that I could not find here. By the way, if if you ever go, the the, the best thing to do, and and I love it, you go to a grocery store, you pick up a, a, a baguette, or as we call them, French roll. And you go to the, the 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 cheese section, and usually it's like an entire aisle of cheese. And you find a cheese, and you just try it, and you put it on the bread, and it's cheap, 
It's delicious. And you can even mix it up. You can go in and you can pick up some like uh, sliced meat, like uh, salami or, or prosciutto. And the prosciutto department is so good, but that's, of course, from Italy. But you, you make a little sandwich, and it's a cheap, inexpensive way to have lunch. And that's pretty much what we did every day. Yeah, I was watching. It was pretty cool. It even looked like, I mean, in France, they even have like dessert cheeses, don't they? Yeah. Um, we. You know what's funny? I, I like to have... And I make it at home. I'll buy some brie cheese and I'll cover it with maple syrup, the pure maple syrup and, and some pecans. And I'll bake it in the oven for about 10, 12 minutes. And it comes out and it's super soft and gooey, but it's so sweet, covered in the maple syrup. I'm, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I shouldn't have brought up anything. You know, I'm uh, tomorrow will be six weeks into my intermittent fasting that I am doing for a year. I literally eat three and a half hours a day. That is it. I've got a friend in town right now, and I have to tell her you got to put it off until uh, 7 o'clock at night because I'm not eating till then. Normally, I'd eat from like 6 to 9.30, but when someone's in town and on the weekend, you want to eat a little bit later because you know you're going to be up later and you're going to get hungry later. So give yourself that opportunity. But, man, talking about the cheese and watching you last week, the does not make intermittent fasting easy at all. Hey, something we do need to get probably right to, Spence. Go ahead and hit nightcap because uh, a concern and something that really needs to be talked about. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Straight away, Jack Johnson, his drive, score! Through traffic in front, J.T. Comfer may have got a piece of that. He was providing the screen. Colorado is tied it. Car leads to Colorado the other way. McKinnon scores! On his first shot of the game, Nathan McKinnon rips it home. The Avalanche with two goals in 26 seconds take the lead. Yeah, uh, kind of discouraging. Once again, the Knights, for two periods, really played well against what I think is the best team in the National Hockey League, in spite of the fact the points say so. Colorado is just on fire. They are really clicking on all cylinders, and um, just a team that's going to be real tough in the playoffs. But the Golden Knights have the ability to play them well. They took them out last year when a lot of people thought Colorado was going to win the Stanley Cup, or at least uh, was going to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. And... Um, the Golden Knights can play this team. They play them well, but again, a letdown. Uh, start off, they get a lead, they lose the lead, they get it back, they lose it again. And uh, in, you know, like I said, 26 seconds, they go from a goal up to a goal down. That just can't continue to happen. It is a concern. Friday night, uh, there's no question, Pete DeBoer very discouraged at his first two lines. His top scores that they just kind of took a night off, although they were on the ice. Uh, this is something that has to change. And Chris, you know, I, I've talked about it. I, I still like this team. I still believe in them. I still think on paper, talent-wise, this team is among the best and elite, most elite teams in the National Hockey League. But you can't lose to Arizona the way you did on Friday night. You can't keep losing five to six games, stringing a couple losses in a row. Colorado, a 3-2 to two loss would normally be acceptable, especially the way that they're playing. But the fact that they had the lead and they gave it up after losing Friday night, Chris, this team needs to find heart. Yeah, I think that's not all they need to find, Brian. They need to find some scoring because that's that's been a real issue over the last couple of games. And, you know, maybe it's it's the stopping and going and there's no time to really build continuity and consistency. But, look, we're now almost three-quarters of the way into this season. I think I'm not going to push the panic button, 
But I, 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 it's funny. I kind of feel like I may have jinxed a team the other day because I made the comment that, look, they're, they're better than the Kings. They're better than the Ducks. They're better than Edmonton. I don't know if they're better than Calgary, which is kind of a, a shift. in. I've, I've looked at things. I knew Calgary was good, but I, I think it might be a reality that the Flames might just be better than this team right now. Right now. And that's no Mark Stone. That's no Max Pacioretty but, or no Robin Leonard. But I, I, I made the, the, the comment the other day on the Insider Show that, look, you know, this team is going to be favored in a lot of games down the stretch. And as long as they take care of business, they'll be okay. The problem is they go down to Arizona and they lay an egg. And then last night, they're up 2-1 in the third period, and Laurent Brossois gives up two goals on three shots. And look, they're not his fault. That's the problem. The problem is these guys are not playing good enough in front of their goalie. I mean, Brossois on the second night of a back-to-back, I think that tells you what, what the team thinks of Logan Thompson, that he's just not ready, especially on a night against the Colorado Avalanche, which is why I was a bit surprised that we did not see Logan Thompson on Friday against the the the, the uh, Coyotes. Not that it would have made a difference, right? You lose that game 3-1 to one anyway. But, um, Brian, I, I, I don't know if it's time to push the panic button. I don't, I'm not pushing the panic button. But certainly, I think it might be time to, to realize that this just might be who this team is. Because at this point in the season, if they haven't found the consistency yet, I don't know if they're going to find it. And you can look at a variety of things. You could say injuries. You could say the stopping and starting. February was a goofy month for the team. But at some point, you, you've got to put all that behind you. And I think Pete DeBoer is a really good coach. I think this this team is very lucky to have a coach like Pete DeBoer because I do think he's, he's a – look, you don't take two teams to the Stanley Cup final by accident. So I don't think the team is going to panic. I don't think he's going to panic. But, Brian, they, they've got to find something here in these next couple nights. And it's not easy – you know, you, you, you've got San Jose on Tuesday, who you absolutely hate, and they hate you, but it's a team that you've won. Like, it seems like you haven't lost to them since the Clinton administration. And, um, you know, then you've got Boston on Thursday, then you go to Anaheim, and then you come home on Sunday against Ottawa. So you've got four games in the next seven nights, and that's kind of the way it's going to be the remainder of the season. This team has to find a way to start stringing wins together you can't be 4-5-1 and one in your last 10 in the month of February and think that you're a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, you're not going to win every game, but consistency has been a real issue with this team this entire season. And, Brian, I, I just can't quite figure out if it's the injuries, if it's something else, if it's being so tied up against the cap, if it was maybe, maybe, and I am i don't believe this because I, I, I think it's it would speak not well on, on the players in the locker room in terms of being professionals, and I don't believe this, but I, I'm sure there are people who do believe it. Maybe trading away the face of the franchise is kind of having a lingering effect on the team. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's going to be a controversial subject for the rest of this season, and especially if the Knights don't win, let alone, you know, there is a little bit of scare. David Shane wrote a nice article in the Review Journal today, top story, uh, third period let-ups haunt the Knights. You can check that out, uh, David, on the show last week, talking about the Golden Knights and, you know, his concern. And, uh, you know, that yes, does this team have 
the tools on paper again being a little bit overly redundant to win the Stanley Cup I think so I think they've they've been in that situation for the past couple of years and this year no exception you know you know adding Jack Eichel what a gigantic addition and I mean a great pass last night on, on the assist that Jack Eichel had Jack Eichel had but again Chris as you said uh, the consistency is something that you have to do and you know I, I know that you said you know they heart but really it's this heart in the last period later in the game to play consistently uh two ways for three periods as you mentioned chris four games this week alone in the next week three of them at home but then all overall 29 games in the next 60 days that is a tall order said right now they are in seventh place they've got the seventh seed they're holding down in the pacific division or i should say in the western conference and uh they're only one game in front of edmonton who's got the eighth seed right now and then right back of them you got a couple of other teams i think uh Santa, or excuse me anaheim is right behind them that's that's coming up and we're getting ready to play them and i think also um uh who's the other team Dallas. that's uh and Dallas is also 59 points, three points behind, uh, you know, behind the Golden Knights. They, this is not a guarantee to make the postseason. And it's funny, for some reason internally, I still feel comfortable. I still think we don't have to worry about the Golden Knights making the postseason. They will find a way. They have enough talent. But, yeah, Chris, all the things that you mentioned uh, could be a factor in this. And starting with, you know, getting rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, which I'll still stand by, I thought, was the right move at the time, but we need to see consistency. And again, Laurent Brossois, no way can you fault him for the game last night. I mean, my God in heaven. I mean, I don't think the almighty could have stopped that one timer by Nathan McKinnon. First of all, that was unreal. The deflection that scored the goal that tied the game off comfort. I don't know how you stopped that either. It hit him and went in the net. So not Brossois' fault, but still, the goaltending has not been stellar, but it's not the goaltending, as you said, Chris. It is not just a small part of it. It is everything, and it is finding some offensive prowess for this team. Where is it going to come from? You hope Eichel seems to be getting his skates underneath him, that it'll start coming from him. Pacioretty, Stone, if they can get him back season um and you know it is the cap i mean what are they going to do alec martinez i mean you're going to have to move somebody i don't know what they're going to do to fit everyone in this roster when martinez is ready to come back but anyways aside from all that as we mentioned a huge week it starts thursday tuesday night at home against the sharks uh hey no excuses on the fans either. That the, the arena's packed. T-Mobile Arena is now packed. They're pushing 19,000 fans again. Um, the Golden Knights got to perform, and they've got to find some offense, and that is going to be gigantic. Um, you know, nice to see uh, players like you know that are that are doing really well. Again, it's great to see a guy like Chan- Chandler Stevenson, his 14th goal of the season, that ties a career high for him. And it was good to see Jonathan Marchessault get a goal as well. He's been a little bit of a slump, but he finally gets his 21st. Really, really nice pass by Riley Smith, and um, you know somehow they have to find themselves and find the ability that this team has on paper and shows us at times. I mean, in the first period against Colorado, they looked every bit as good as the avalanche. So they show you at times how they can play. But as Chris said a few minutes ago, consistency is going to be the answer 
for this team. And I still say the ceiling for this team is a Stanley Cup championship, even though where they sit right now, because they have the wherewithal and the power to put it together. The question is, can they? And right now, I would say no. But again, if you're saying, do they have what's the ceiling? I still say, uh, Chris, and you know, final thought on this, I still say the ceiling is the Stanley Cup finals. Well, that should be it, Brian. It should be Stanley Cup or bust. But I think uh, the hockey gods may have may have different uh, thoughts as far as that goes. I, I mean, look, I, I, I have numerous times said when fully healthy, this is one of the best teams in the NHL. And the problem is they, they just cannot seem to get healthy. My concern is what if you don't get Mark Stone back? That's that's the concern that I have because I don't think you win without Mark Stone. He does so many things and and you know he does them well, but I think among what he does really well is he is the guy who brings the energy. He has the moxie. He's the guy who not only is going to go skate through the glass for you and get the whole team to do it, but he's a really damn good player. And Missing him and not having him healthy, look, it's it, it, it's troublesome because you thought maybe this was behind him and you had hoped, but Brian, we have no idea when we're going to see Mark Stone on the ice again for the Golden Knights, and that's a real scary proposition because, like I said, I don't think you win without Mark Stone, and I think there's other guys you could take out of the lineup and replace. You can't replace Mark Stone. You can't replace... What he brings on on the ice, you can't replace what he brings in the locker room. You can't replace what he brings to the fans. You cannot replace what's on his chest. You can't replace what's in his heart. That's that's a a, a, a huge task, and it's like I said, it, without him, I don't see this team going to the Stanley Cup final. And what 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 worries me is it's a back issue. And Brian, you and I are old enough to remember. Larry Bird, and how his career was completely derailed by back problems. I I don't. I'm not a doctor. I know you have a doctor in your family, but in terms of sports, it just seems that there is no worse injury for guys to have than back issues because it seems to be the type of thing that just does not go away. No matter how many surgeries you have, no matter how much rest you have. It just seems like back problems don't go away, and and I hope I'm wrong, but Brian, it's 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 one of those things that I see back issue and I get real nervous. Uh, no question, Chris. Yeah, I got lots of doctors in my family. My dad, my uncle, cousins, my nephew. Um, I'm loaded with them, and uh, there's no question. My dad, uh, at 83 years old, walks completely at a 90-degree angle because of three back surgeries. Uh, the back is nothing you can play with. And as a professional athlete, even a collegiate athlete, there is almost nothing worse than a chronic uh, back condition. And hopefully it won't be something chronic for Mark Stone. It'll be something they'll be able to repair. But, you know, that was the big concern with Jack Eichel. Would he come back? Because whenever you're talking about back, spinal cord, neck, it is a problem. And you're right, there is reason to be concerned, um, you know, because Mark Stone, as you said, Chris, no matter what, you know, even when he's off and he's not playing on his game, he is someone, when you are opposing the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Stone is someone that comes up on film all the time. 
the guy that you have to account for whenever he's on the ice, uh, his presence. He is one of the top players in the National Hockey League. Uh, yeah, he kind of disappeared in the latter rounds of the playoffs last season, but believe me, as Chris said, this guy is an integral and maybe the most valuable part of this team in the glue. There's a reason that Mark Stone was given the C by Pete DeBoer and the first captain ever of the Vegas Golden Knights. He's earned it and he deserves it. Let's move on, man. Spence, let's talk some UNLV basketball and uh, a hell of a game last night. Uh, they, they lost to Boise State, uh, but again, what I what I say a hell of a game is they competed again. I think Boise State, they came in maybe a little bit overconfident with the way that they've been playing, and they came in expecting, and I think a lot of people expected it. Heck, it was a pickup for a while with the books in Vegas, and Boise's a pretty good team, but Boise is a team that we know shoots very well at home, very high sh uh, shot percentage, not as so much on the road, and a lot of people thought this was the perfect storm for UNLV to win this game and get ready for a huge game against Wyoming coming up with Thomas and Mack this coming week, but it didn't happen. They lost to Boise by 10, but why I say I liked it, Donovan Williams starting to look like his old self again. Double digits, 26 minutes. It looks like he's finally recovering from COVID and getting his uh, his lungs back, so to speak. But uh, UNLV, we got the highlights of the game right here. In the paint. Left hand off the glass. No good. Almost put back. He's the only super senior on this squad. That's a deep three, and that one finds the bottom with Mr. Clutch, Marcus Sabre, Jr. Baker in the lineup for the Runner Rebels. Junior from Tempe. That's a deep three, and that one finds the bottom for Donovan Williams. Early going here in this second half. Hamilton on the drive, left hand, high off the glass, and Bryce Hamilton gets on the board. Now look for Hamilton to come off to the corner here. There it is. Go rebound, Boise. You see the difference in pick and roll execution. Sabre's going to push on Hamilton. Smart move for him. But once again, Boise State with an 86-76 win. Yeah, you know, you guys, both Chris and um, Spencer, being alumni, the, the two of you guys, uh, there's no question that UNLV to this point, to me, has overachieved this season. I think uh, Kevin Kruger, put it this way, there's no way anyone could have expected more than where they're at right now at this point in the season. You know, 17 and 12 on the year, 9 and 7, fifth in the Mountain West. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, we chalked both Boise State games up as losses, yet, uh, yet, and so they were. But we also probably chalked up Colorado State both games as losses. Wyoming still, without question, to me, the surprise team in the conference. Their coach is going to win Mountain West Coach of the Year, although Kevin Kruger will get a few votes for that. Um, you know, this team right now, I'm scratching my head. I mean, I'm not I'm not looking at the Boise State game and saying, oh, that's this UNLV team. I'm looking at the Boise State game and saying, you know, they kind of let down. They didn't play their best game. But I'm also looking at this team overall, the body of work in 2021-22 to this point anyways, with a couple games left and the Mountain West Conference Tournament looming, Spencer, as this team, the one thing I'll say, they can compete. They can, and I wish I could tell you as I was watching the game a little bit last night that this is the reason that they lost. And, you know, you could say they got off to a slow start, but when you look at, you know, going into midway through the second half, they were up at some point. So there's nothing – you can't 
you know, excuse that. I mean, they had the chance to win this game and it just kind of got away from them. The only thing I will say about this game uh, that did surprise me is that just a lack of attention to detail. And in basketball, that's the difference. This game was really close, but they allowed a lot of offensive rebounds. Maybe they wouldn't they weren't putting their hands up on the perimeter because they had a lot of three point shots. Boise State, we know they're a good three point shooting team, but still, it's that little bit of extra effort that can go a long way. And we're really far into the season now. So it's hard to it could be hard. Like I think it's easy to forget that these kids are 18, 19 years old, maybe 20 years old. So, you know, they're they're young kids and sometimes their attention span maybe it starts to lack, start to, you know, get a little lax. And I think every team probably goes through this at least once a season. So hopefully this is like the worst of what we've seen, even though they really again didn't play a bad game technically. It's just those small things that, you know, Kruger is definitely going to get up on them on. And uh, I'd rather it be in this game than the Mountain West tournament that's going to be that I'll be going to and covering. Yeah, Brian, um, I'm seeing that game. I don't know that I'll be in town. You might be doing the show on your own or uh, we'll have someone join you. Of course, you got mags always. But um, I, I it's funny because I may have to miss the Mount West Conference tournament for the first time since like 2012. And I'm really bummed out because I really would like to see what they can do in this tournament based on what we've seen them do. I mean, two blowout wins against Colorado State. Now, granted, Colorado State hasn't been playing great lately. Matter of fact, they've been playing almost bad lately, but they're still at the top of the conference. And when UNLV played them the first time, they had one loss to San Diego State. When they played them the second time, they had three losses total on the season. And UNLV was two of their four losses for their fourth loss, which is pretty damn impressive, regardless of how you want to look at it. I mean, you know, you were saying if UNLV could play Colorado Colorado State every game they would be great but that's not the truth Colorado State is a pretty sound basketball team in the Mountain West and you know Spence in in power five conferences if you're going to compete to win in a power five conference you got to have at least two NBA players on your team maybe three that's how good you have to be now to be an upper echelon team in a power five concert you look at all the conferences the, the top teams have two or three NBA players but in the Mountain West Conference you can be the best team in the conference with one NBA player. UNLV has one NBA player in Bryce Hamilton. He will be. I still think the best NBA player to come out of this conference, I don't know, I still think it's going to be Matt Bradley out of San Diego State University. The guy's got the body of an NBA player right now, and his game is a little bit elevated, although he's averaging six less points than Bryce Hamilton is a game. But yet, Bryce Hamilton is the cog that makes this machine go he is he's the cog in the machine that makes it work makes it operate here as far as he goes this team will go the question is how far can Bryce Hamilton take this team because I'm saying right now is he the conference player of the year in the Mountain West well he's averaging just just under 22 points a game which leads the Mountain West Conference by about a point and a half a game Uh, a couple of Wyoming guys are up there Wyoming like I said the surprise team in the conference this year Spence but how far can Bryce Hamilton take the run in Rebels? Now that you've seen him, he is without question elevated his game. And if he doesn't, is, isn't the Mountain West Conference most valuable player when it's all said and done, he's going to be second in line for the award. He's that good. Um, I still think he's an NBA project to a degree, but I think he's got game that if he gets with the right team and the right coach, he has the potential to be an eventual starter at the at the next level. Well, no, you, you were absolutely right, Brian, about you know, in the Mountain West tournament when it comes to competing, because uh, in you you can use the word NBA player very loosely. We saw, um, you know, Sam Merrill and Niketa, uh, who plays for the Kings now. I saw I saw his debut like last month, which is kind of funny. But, uh, you know, Bryce Hamilton is in that kind of range, you know, with the Sam Merrills. I think he's a little bit better than that or it could be. The only problem is that Sam Merrill was a little more ubiquitously good. Like Bryce Hamilton is a scorer. Like I haven't really seen him do too many th- 
other things like really well he's just a very average passer he's a very decent you know everything else so i but when it comes to Bryce Hamilton, how far he can take them, I don't know. I mean, he had a really slow start to the Boise State game, and it's it's it is really hard. Like, I think we put a lot of pressure on the kid, and the fact that he even came back shows like his, I don't know, chutzpah. I don't I don't really know what the actual word is. <laughs> his for moxie, that. yeah, his moxie. <laughs> My Yiddish terms over here. That's but, all right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only one I can think of. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm excited because this is the first time I felt a little bit anything. Because I remember in the last last year's Mountain uh, Mountain West Conference, like he was checked out by that time. And I knew they were going to lose the first game, and they were out very quickly. I don't feel like it's going to be that way. It could happen, but I would love to see them have a run. And if Bryce Hamilton gets hot, which he did in the second half, so he is a human torch, or he can be for this team. And if he starts out really well, I feel like that first quarter may be the difference, or the first half, I should say, in the, in the Mountain West tournament could be the deci decisive factor. Because if he's not with it, the team's not going to be with it. If he is, they may just start going all the way. Well, the one thing this year, what Kevin Kruger has done, is he is getting the most out of Bryce Hamilton. Bryce Hamilton never has played this consistently. You could say it's maturity. He's now a senior. No, Bryce Hamilton plays with a desire that he didn't play with in the past. And I've always said, Spencer, as you know, I've said that if Bryce Hamilton could play night in and night out for UNLV. He could be one of the best players in the conference. He could be talked about as a type of a guy that could be an honorable mention All-American, which I think he is in that category right now overall in the country. He is because of what he's doing for this UNL team, UNLV team, and what he's doing for the Mountain West Conference. And and I have to attribute some of that to Kevin Kruger, number one. Bryce, Bryce, uh, Bryce uh, he put himself in the conversation of getting into the NBA, which is why he, self, he, he tried going, you know, seeing where he would go, he realized he wasn't going to go in the NBA. He could have gone anywhere, Spencer, and he chose to come back to UNLV. He knew he'd be the star of the team, but my God, with their their recent past, you know, you, you're hurting yourself to go to the NBA. He took that chance, took a chance on Kevin Kruger, and it has paid off really, really well for him. I don't know, you know, how far they can go in the Mountain West Conference tournament. I said to me, the ceiling for this team is the championship game. At the beginning of the season, I said the ceiling is maybe one win in a buy-in game, depending on the matchup. So they have definitely exceeded my expectations by far. Happy for Kevin Kruger to, the, to this point. They got two more games, really, really tough game, and we'll get to see a bounce back, how they can bounce back. They got Wyoming coming in, Wyoming second in the conference, 23-5, and 12-3 in the Mountain West Conference. No question, the most underrated, overachieving team in this conference, and their coach has done such a hell of a job. He will be Mountain West coach of the year i promise you that and they wrap the season um on the road at the pit in new mexico that's another game they should win i mean new mexico i'm not going to say they're a doormat but they're pretty bad this year but you don't want to overlook new mexico because unlike unlv new mexico still packs the pit unlike unlv who doesn't pack the mat they still show up and the fans can make a difference on the road at New Mexico. So that's a game you don't want to overlook heading into the Mountain West Conference tournament, which could change seating. So I look forward to it. Spencer, I'm jealous, man. I think you're going to have a great time. I think it's going to be a hell of a tournament. Maybe the best UNLV has seen for their team in quite a while. Yeah. Um, we got Jeff Botley on. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say one last thing is, con you know, context is key. And, 
Derek Jones Jr. played some significant minutes for the Bulls last night in the NBA. Bryce Hamilton is better than Derek Jones Jr., in, at least in my opinion. So that's just how I'll end that. Well, Derek, I, you know, it's a tough – I can't say that, Spencer, especially at this point. Derek Jones Jr. is in the NBA, and the guy's got serious hops. I don't know that Bryce Hamilton can get up as high as Derek Jones Jr. That guy, that guy's, a, a, you know, literally um, – he's a rim, a rim a slammer. If you've watched him, that guy could have competed in the slam dunk contest when he tries his best. Listen, let's get to Jeff Motley. Um, looking forward to having him on. Looking forward to NASCAR being back, missing a year at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Jeff Motley, the Vice President of Communications um, and also Sonoma Racing at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Appreciate you joining the show, getting up early with us, Jeff, when you've got a hell of a week and weekend right in front of you again. Yeah, we're looking forward to a great week. You know, finally going to be back at full capacity, uh, have all of our restrictions lifted, and it's going to be a great weekend uh, we were going to kick it off. We get to bring the hauler parade back. So Thursday night, we take the haulers right down the strip on the way to the speedway, something we haven't been able to do for about three years. And then a great weekend of racing trucks on Friday night, Xfinity on Saturday, and the Pennzoil 400 for the NASCAR Cup Series on Sunday. Yeah, I saw the parade was coming back and practice and qualifying for all three races are back as well. Check out the schedule. Jeff so kindly at the very last minute, I hit him up this morning saying, hey, can you uh, get us a couple tickets to give away? Didn't expect anything. Really appreciate it. We are going to, and it's 876-1340. We're going to give a couple pairs, uh, one pair of tickets away for Saturday's race and one for Sunday. So give us a call. We'll hook you uh, first caller for each, each race. But Jeff, uh, what what has changed, if anything, you know, a year off was really, you know, had to be surprising because I know a year before you guys just did it in front of no fans, basically. Well, and that's I kind of, yeah, that's kind of, you know, when the pandemic first hit, we were fortunate. We were one of the last events to happen in the spring of 2020 before the pandemic hit. We never lost an event, but we ran in front of no fans, really, with no fans at all in the fall of 20. We had less than 10% capacity in the spring of 21 and we were able to increase that capacity a little bit in the fall of 21 so we had the events but we did not have the ability to let fans come out in in full force and and to kind of really enjoy the entire event so that's probably the biggest thing is just getting all the people back and having the type of event that we were so used to having for what 20 some years i guess yeah you know kurt bush won the last one in 2020 that you had and i talked to uh, about you know racing in front of like no fans because I'm like how does it make a difference in NASCAR it's so loud you're driving you don't really see him anyways he said you wouldn't believe what a difference it makes inside of you as a driver well and that was kind of a bummer I think for Kurt you know Kurt won in 2020 you're right there were no fans there in 2020 when Kurt won of course Kyle Larson won last spring in 2021 yeah. and we didn't have very many people there at all and then we had the fall event last year, which was in the playoffs. And uh, we certainly had a little bit better crowd there for that one because we were able to increase our our um, our attendance a little bit. Denny Hamlin won that race. So, But for Kurt, it had to be weird. I mean, it's his hometown. Yeah. Of all races, you, you, I mean, that was like right with the Daytona 500, the race he so wanted to win. And you win and you look up and there's nobody sitting in the stands. And, and that was kind of a – a bummer. You know, we all went out that night after the uh, after the race about midnight down to the South Point. So at least we had a group of about 15 of us that celebrated his win. 
Yeah, it, it is too bad. You know, like you said, a local guy. And, you know, Day- Daytona is always going to be number one on everyone's list of Super Bowl and NASCAR. But, you know, when you're from a, a particular place and with Kyle and Kurt being from Las Vegas, this is a race they desperately want to win. And Kyle had a lot of has had some good success here. But Kurt, for him to win that race, it was definitely a bummer. We do have with us joining again. It is Jeff Motley, and he is the vice president of communications, Las Vegas Motor, uh, excuse me, Las Vegas Motor Speedway and Sonoma Racing. He's also the co-host of Gone Racing on Vsin. I've got to, I, I got to catch that a couple of times now, Jeff. Pretty darn cool. And tell people where they can find it because it really is a really good show. If you are a NASCAR fan, you got you want to check uh, you want to check this out. Well, yeah, it's uh, Brennan Gone, who's a former NASCAR driver, and I uh, we kind of break down some of the betting odds each week on the NASCAR races. Uh, we are on Vsin, uh, so you can watch it on Vsin.com. Occasionally, we pop up on the local uh, cable channels here in Las Vegas. Um, but we also have a podcast that is attached to that as well that you can download, whether it's on you know Google Play, your, your App Store, uh, Spotify, all those type uh, type areas. And hopefully, we'll give you a couple of things that might make you a little bit of money each week. <laughs> Definitely check it out. And Jeff, for people that still want to go to the race, um, hey. We just saw T-Mobile Arena finally at major full capacity for the hockey game last night against the Avalanche, and we have uh, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway getting ready for full capacity this coming weekend. How can people get tickets, and in your opinion, the best package to buy if you're a race fan? Well, LVMS.com, you can go on our website, buy the ticket. You'll get an email to you within a couple of minutes, so it's all digital. And check out the Neon Garage while you're there. And if you're coming out just Sunday for the Pennzoil 400, Come early. We've got Midland, one of the top country music groups in the country, Grammy Award nominee, ACM Award nominee, going to be playing a pre-race concert. we got a lot of driver appearances, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney. A lot of those guys are going to be making appearances before the race in areas that everybody can get to. So get your Neon Garage Pass, get your race ticket, and come early on Sunday really enjoy the experience. I mean, they do such a great job at the LVMS for the races. So many different experiences. I mean, Spencer, last time when we went a couple years ago, we had so much fun. We were in there racing the the virtual racing machines that you guys can have that set up again where people can go in there. No, we're not going to have the virtual oh, racing man. in the inside. We are going to have RC cars on the outside. Oh, cool. So okay. if you want to race some radio control cars out on the outside, we'll have a track set up for that and we're also going to have some cert performers doing some flying through the air so if you want to try that out let me know i i you know what i might i might do that i wrote on the goodyear blimp last year so uh why not why not try that uh jeff always appreciate you joining the show looking so forward to getting back out there i told you spencer spencer was on me that day. dude you haven't ordered our credentials yet and i'm like well i'm going to get on that tomorrow because it's something we love greatly going every year something we look forward to i love reporting on honestly get as credentialed up as you can get the tickets get the neon garage passes you really want to get in there and see this it nascar is an experience like no other you know i used to be a big indycar fan years ago till they ended up breaking up and kind of splitting into two factions and kind of watered it down and i turned to nascar for a minute i've never looked back i mean just when they start their engines the sound and the reverberation it, it, it's unbelievable it's not like nothing else i feel like uncle fester every time i go to one of the races jeff i feel like if you stuck a light bulb in my mouth it would light up because that is truly the electricity in the air there well you know i think one thing people here locally can appreciate a lot of people didn't go to and never been to a hockey game until we got the golden knights once they went to a hockey game they were like holy smokes i had no idea the game was so fast that the guys could skate so fast, that the puck could move so fast. A NASCAR race is the same way. When you watch it on television, 
everything is relative. When you go to the race and you see 40 cars going 190 to 200 miles per hour packed together past you, you actually get a, a sensation that you can't get from television. No, it, it is amazing to see. I mean, they are literally, I mean, it, an inch apart, their bumpers, and they're, and they're going, like you said, 190 miles an hour. Yeah, I, I mean, I just don't know how you could do that. I mean, I love thrill rides, but that is beyond a thrill ride. It's something that, you know, you can't imagine, but watching it up close. I mean, literally, if you sit close and you get up close, they are a blur going past you. You have to watch them coming around because when they go right past you, it is literally a blur. One of the coolest things ever. Jeff, as always, greatly appreciate you joining the show and also greatly appreciate allow us, a couple of our listeners, to win some tickets to the event uh, the Pennzoil 400 on on Sunday and of course the race on Saturday as well well appreciate you having me we'll see you out next week Absolutely. Uh, Jeff Motley, once again, uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He does such a great job out there. Everyone in town, Spencer, knows Jeff. We see him when we go out there. He's just accommodated walk around. The guy never stops working. You think there's only a couple of NASCAR races a year, but there's so much more going on at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And it has kind of become what it's become because of Jeff. He does such an effort in the community to make things happen there. Now the show on VEASAN, as he said, with, with Gone, who's a former NASCAR driver, it's really cool because they give you odds and you can make a little bit of money listen to those guys they definitely know nascar so appreciate jeff joining the show and again a couple of pairs of tickets to give away which i'm looking forward to and i'm looking really forward to going out there again next weekend spence should be a great time no i i had a great time when we went and obviously the media area is really nice but more importantly like if you just have a regular ticket over there it's not just you're going there to watch the race you talked about some of the things that we did before like that virtual racing thing so they really get the people you know amped up they get people interactive and you know, if it's a it's a it's a wonderful event. I can't wait to go. No, really cool. And um, and again, appreciate Jeff Motley. And uh, like I said, pretty wild stuff yesterday. And it relates to this. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Never before in NCAA basketball history have the top five ranked teams lost on the same day how about seven of the top 10 incredible that all this all changed yesterday and uh spencer I, I i don't know what to say it was like being in the twilight zone yesterday every team all the way down to you finally watch gonzaga not just get handled by saint mary but literally beaten and exposed by saint mary to the degree they haven't this year, they haven't lost at home this year. This is a very sound team. They very rarely lose in conference, and they don't lose like this. Now, St. Mary's, a really well-coached team, a very sound team, and a team that could win a game or two this year in the NCAA tournament, granted. But they're nowhere close to the level of Gonzaga. But you wouldn't have been able to tell yesterday. Uh, a 10-point game, I don't think it was that close. Gonzaga loses for the third time this season. I don't know that they'll lose their number one ranking, Spencer, because everyone behind them lost as well. Arizona goes down to Colorado. Not a close game either. The Buffs blow them out 79-63. to We saw Arizona play here earlier in a preseason conference uh, tournament. Uh, I should say a preseason tournament. Wow. What an incredible game. It was, you know, they played a couple of them. And I said, this is one of the better teams in the country. They turned out to be, but that's a bad loss to Colorado. Colorado, a team not expected to do a great deal. Yeah, they're like nine games over 500, but not a team expected to go do a great deal. Auburn and Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, uh, 
again, a decent basketball team, not a team that can be overlooked. They've won 21 games. They've got a pretty good shot at making the NCAA tournament. Matter of fact, they should. Uh, but Auburn, uh, number three team in the country, really good squad. 67-62 in that one. And my alma mater, Michigan State, who has played like garbage the last week and a half, three losses, they've looked terrible. Purdue, I said, is a team that could compete to win the national title. I truly believe it. They have such great size on the interior and a good perimeter game as well. They play well both at home and on the road, and yet they go into the Breslin Center, and Michigan State uh, is able to handle them. Close game, 68-65, but Michigan State wins it. Tom Izzo ties Bobby Knight for the most wins all time for a Big Ten coach, 662. Bobby Knight still got him in the Big Ten. He still got about, I don't know, 70 games on uh, Tom Izzo, but Tom Izzo, man, uh, we'll talk about Tom Izzo in another week or maybe in a little bit, but, um, you know, I think the guy's got to win another national championship to be considered one of the all-time great coaches. But, again, that's subject for a minute from now. Kansas, the number five team in the country. Baylor, no slouch, defending national champions. I should say reigning national champs. Uh, but they're ranked number 10th, but they still took out, uh, you know, beat Kansas by 10 points in a game that I thought Kansas would win and look good in that game. They've been playing well. They lose that one. And then Kentucky, the number six team in the, in the country, uh, Arkansas now though, 14 and one in their last 15 games. So that is a team that people better start paying a little bit more attention to, but they still beat Kentucky uh, 75, 73. And then I said seven in the top 10, the number nine, uh, Texas tech goes down to, um, TCU in a real bad loss, 69-66. Spencer, what the hell happened yesterday? I think the best place to start would be a highlight from that Michigan State game, which was one that I watched pretty intently. So we'll take a look at this. Guard still on the bench. Down to six seconds. Walker under four. Walker fires. He got it! Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, just one, one thing I wanted to say about this game is you have to give so much credit to the coaching staff of Michigan State because if you're watching that game, Michigan State took a pretty decent lead, you know, going into the late stages of the game, and then they stalled really hard where they couldn't buy a bucket, and Purdue was coming back. And when you get to that stage of the game and you have these young kids, a lot of the times it's like, yeah, this is what happens, you know. We just we got cold, and this team that's fourth ranked in the country, you know, they, they're just going to run all over us, basically. Or this is just par for the course, you know. It wasn't. It was fun while it lasted, but no, they stuck with it and they fought really hard. And obviously, the end shot of that game was incredible. Um, a lot of, you know, like I said, the coaching staff, of Michigan State, was amazing in that game. A lot of people will say Gabe Brown is the best player on the Michigan State Spartans. I love Tyson Walker. This kid, this kid is clutch. What an incredible shot at the end of the game last night. But, you know, the thing is with Michigan State, the ceiling for this team is the Sweet 16, and I've been saying it all year. They're, they're a house of cards, and they will collapse. With the right matchups, they could be at the Sweet 16. Absolutely no farther. Purdue's still a team that can compete for a national title, but uh, not the way that they lost yesterday. You can't be in that tight of a game. Although, I've been to many games at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. Super tough place to play, and it was for Purdue last night. And, uh, Spencer, yeah, I know you got a couple of other highlights, and um, talking about the Tennessee game and Auburn game, um, I really like Auburn this year. I think this is a tough team. I haven't, I haven't liked Auburn this much since maybe Chuck Barkley played for them. But they, uh, they looked pretty good yesterday. You got a highlight in the Tennessee game for that one, too. Jamari not done. 
scoring as he lays that up and in, but there's just 2.6 to go. And Kennedy Chandler will dribble it out. The Volunteers defend home court and knock off another top five team. Yeah, Tennessee's making a name for himself, Spencer, and they're they're a team, like I said, that is going to get in the NCAA tournament and a team that could surprise some teams. But they, they were ripe for the pick, and this is an Auburn a, a, a game Auburn should have won. Well, here's the you know the game was great, obviously, but this is what I wanted to say about it, and I just got the chills looking at that highlight, and I don't care about either of those teams in the slightest bit. I have no, I don't know, I don't care about them at all, but. This is really what college sports are about. This is really what sports are about. I think we get caught up so much in the professional part of it and all this money getting thrown around. But these kids play so hard. And then the, the you know the kids that go to the games too, how excited they were. Um, and then the last game, if we have a chance, I'll play the Gonzaga highlight. They start storming the court. Yeah. So that just you know gives you that spark of like, wow, this is really what sports are about, not about the money. Yeah, no, 100%. College sports, like I said, I, I, I will love in this year uh, – the NFL playoffs and all the way through the Super Bowl, literally from the divisional playoffs to the conference championship games to the Super Bowl, the best I've ever seen. And I've always said forever, the NFL playoffs are my favorite uh, sporting event, favorite time of the year. But very closely behind it is the NCAA basketball tournament. Nothing is like March Madness. And it, the one and done of college basketball in this tournament coming up is so exciting. I love the conference tournaments. This is when it really starts to heat up and get great. And Every year, Gonzaga rises to the top, and now they're getting to the point where they're on the brink. I thought maybe I thought it last year that Mark Mark Few for sure last year was going to get the, was going to get go undefeated and win the national title. Baylor said no, and now after watching this St. Mary's game, watching a couple of our lo- other losses, Spencer, I don't know that this is the best team in the country. Um, but and if you watch the highlight of St. Mary, they handled them pretty good. That Spencer will play now, and then I want your thoughts on Gonzaga after you after you play the highlight. <laughs> I don't know what more you can say about that. I mean, that's just showing them celebrating. But um, if you watch the game, uh, they they played Gonzaga really well and really, really had them up against it for most of the game. Well, we, we know Gonzaga is a very talented team. But here's the thing about March Madness, and it is one and done. And you think about in basketball, like the best team in basketball in NBA, I should say, usually wins the title because there's just so much room. A few upsets happen here and there, but at the end of the day, the NBA Finals, yeah, it's usually the the team that's the best. Now, when it comes to March Madness, it's weird to say that the best team doesn't always win the national title, but it probably is true. Like Gonzaga was the best team last year, but they lost in the finals, right? So they're a team that it's hard to sustain that much success, too, and you go through it year in, year out. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think they could, but it's just it never seems like the first the one seeds ever end up going that far. And then March, and March Madness, because everybody's looking at you. Everybody has a target on your back. They want to beat you because you're the best team. And that's a hard you know burden to carry. No, it is. But, you know, I mean, the bottom line is Mark Few is going to go down as one of the best recruiters in the history of college yeah. basketball. He's going to go down as one of the great coaches. But it's hard to label of him as the greatest or even put him in the conversation if you don't win a national title. And they'll say it was a smaller school. I mean, this guy recruits as 
good as anyone I have ever seen. He, he Gonzaga is completely on the map, and we know who Gonzaga is because of Mark Few and that basketball program. There's no question about it. But again, you've got to win a national title. Coach Krzyzewski at Duke went about a decade and a half without winning. Well, well, well the bottom line is Few's been there a lot longer than that now. He gets this far, but you can't be a bridesmaid, Spencer. You got to one day be a bride and get married. No, I, I totally agree with you. And he is a great recruiter, but look, it's, it's going to be really hard for him to get a top 10 recruit because I'm thinking back just recently, Jalen Suggs, obviously. He was the fourth pick, although honestly, that wasn't the greatest draft in the world, in my personal opinion. Evan Mobley is the best player in that draft. I, I said they should, he should have been drafted number one. But anyways, he had Brandon Clark on his team. Uh, also, like really yeah. good contributors, but never top three guys. And it seems like a, if he just had one of those top three guys, he could do it. But that's a really hard thing to sell because there is no Gonzaga program without him. So it really is a, a hard thing to discuss. And they've gotten so close. They just can't get it done. I don't know why. I feel really bad for the guy, honestly. He's like, you know, I mean, it, 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 up at Gonzaga, he, they'll, they'll erect a statue for him. They'll ne probably name three buildings after him when he retires. That's how much he means to that university. Why leave? They are paying him. Uh, they are paying him as though he were a power five conference coach. He's one of the top paid coaches in the country at Gonzaga. No reason for him to ever leave there. I mean, my God, he's got just a great situation. But again, you don't win a championship. Yes, is he a Hall of Fame collegiate coach? Oh, he could have retired three years ago. Didn't even need the championship game last year for that to happen. But eventually you have to win a championship. Uh, it's about winning, Spencer. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. And, uh, you know, Mark Few, I think, he won't be given the just dessert in his legacy when it's all said and done if he doesn't eventually win a national title. Well, the legacy that a championship brings you is unreal. Think about, think about the Raiders and the Cowboys right now. They haven't done anything since the 80s. But the fans that are watching those two teams are riding the high of those championships 30 years ago. So obviously the impact is huge. And I think he probably knows it more than anyone else. I'm sure he really wants one. But yeah, you get that championship. Just one. I'm telling you, just one. And it will be remembered for generations. So he's got to get it done at some point. Yeah, I mean, talk about winning just one. And a guy that I say is underachieved, and it's hard for me to say it, but Tom Izzo. I mean, Tom Izzo has that one title, but years ago, he was famous for literally it was like five graduating classes in a row. Every kid played in a Final Four. That's how much he meant to college basketball. He finally, in 1990, broke through with Mateen Cleaves and um, uh, Morris Peterson, and they, they ended up winning a national title. Unbelievable team. I, I saw several games, including that great game against Iowa State that sent him to the Final Four, but that's his only win. He kept getting there, and he's like a guy that loses in the semifinals. And, you know, he puts together – Tom is one of the best recruiters in the country, also one of the best motivators in the country, and he doesn't shy away from preseason playing some of the toughest teams in the country to get his team prepared for the Big Ten Conference and for postseason play eventually. But Spencer, again, with a guy like Tom Izzo, you know, at times people were saying he's the greatest coach of all time. You know, Judd Heathcote has one win at Michigan State just like Tom Izzo. Now, Judd Heathcote – didn't have this, the overall success that Tom Izzo had, but Judd Heathcote got pretty lucky. I mean, got pretty unlucky. In 86, they played Kansas. The shot clock, they play at Kemper Arena in the Sweet 16, and the shot clock, the game clock stops for like 16 seconds. They never went back and made it right. 
and they end up winning in overtime. Michigan State goes out in the Sweet 16. Kansas did go to the Final Four that year. Danny Manning was a sophomore. And then in 91 was Steve Smith, a Georgia Tech shot by Kenny Anderson that was clearly after the buzzer, and they counted it. And they went to overtime, and they beat Michigan State. So Judd Heathcote could have had two more at least Elite Eight appearances. Uh, and I'm saying, is Tom Izzo that much better than Judd was? Now, when Judd won his national championship, he had one of the top three players, in my opinion, in NBA history on the team in Magic Johnson. But still, he was able to recruit Magic Johnson, recruit Greg Kelser, uh, re re recruit uh, Jay Vincent. He recruited those people. So is Tom Izzo that much better than Judd Heathcote was? As a Michigan State alum, I honestly can say now, I don't know. Yeah, well, you got to you got to have so much credit to his him. You know, uh, you're recruiting Draymond Green, Magic Johnson, obviously, but Miles Bridges, Denzel Valentine. I mean, this guy gets NBA players on his team, and it, I, it's really cool to me. Uh, you know, it really is. Listen, we're out of time. We got to we got to roll. I want to thank uh, Jeff Motley for joining the show today. Always thank uh, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski, our social. Uh, media director and uh, my co-host and of course Chris Magnum Chapman back at studio our producer we will be back next week we appreciate you and um, support the local teams man we'll see you soon bye bye